Okay. Ready? We'll do. A, let's do one, two, three, four, five, and then clap on six. Okay. But do. But you got to do the ands. One and two and three and four. That. Yes. And then we'll clap five and and clap on six. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Together, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Nope. Here we go. Okay. One and two and three and four and five and. Oh, I forgot to clap. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Well, welcome back to another episode of I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. We are back here again after an eventful week. And I have a lot of stuff that I like this week that I want to talk about. But first, we have to hear all about the Kiss Cruise from one... Be schnitty. Well, I went on it, and uh, turns out there's a lot of Kiss fans on the uh, Kiss cruise. Mm-hmm. And these people, like I, I love Kiss. Like I grew up listening to Kiss. Um, they were like my favorite band when I was like 12. Now, I got to be a teenager and started listening to like I don't know Queen and Pink Floyd. James Brown, some other stuff. And then eventually I sagged into like, you know, like Tom Waits and Randy Newman. Now, at some point I kind of just stopped listening to Kiss. Uh, I didn't make it into the whole unmasked thing when they were doing different looks, new wave, disco. I don't know what they were doing because I wasn't following them because I was an adult at that point. Right. Now... Everybody that I talk to on that cruise, like every single person I, I go, what? how old are you to them? Because they look old. They look so much older than me. They don't dress old. They dress young. They And I wouldn't, they don't dress young. They dress like they're in a 1989 Blink-182 video. That's what everybody, but with a Kiss t-shirt. That's what everybody dresses like. Um, And I'm like, how old are you? Because you're dressed like it's 1987 and you're in a Blink-182 commercial with a Kiss shirt on, but you look like you're about 75. And A Blink-182 commercial from 1987. Wow, it's just a lot of imagery there. Well, not a commercial. Like I call, I call music videos commercials. They're commercials for that. Well, they're dressed like they're on a Kiss cruise. You know, that's not, that's not likely how they dress in their normal lives. I don't know, dude. I really don't know, to tell you the truth. But yeah, you're probably right. I didn't think about that. I guess like if you go to a Jimmy Buffett show, you're going to wear a Jimmy Buffett costume. And I guess if you're on the Kiss Cruise, you're going to wear your Kiss attire. Right. But everybody I talked to, I was like, how old are you? You don't look healthy. You don't look like you're going to live long. And they were all my age. <laughs> and here's the thing. Here's how you know a true Kiss fan. If you talk to a true Kiss fan... Guess what their favorite Kiss music is? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Just tell me. All, all the unmasked stuff. Oh yeah, the 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 diehard '80s fans are are to be reckoned with for sure. Dude, they're all like, "Oh no, that was the best stuff they ever did." I'm like, "No, that's false." No, it wasn't. The best stuff they ever did was done in a decade called. The 1970s. They did some cool stuff. Some cool stuff happened like right at the, in the early 80s. Like Lick It Up is actually good. 
There's a record called Unmasked from 1980 that's my second favorite Kiss record. But to say that like Crazy Nights or Hot in the Shade or Animalize compare with those first few records or Kiss Alive is just delusional. But yeah, you're right. Diehard Kiss fans, that's almost like a rite of passage for them. If you pass the 80s test, then you're legitimate. You know what I mean? The other thing that Kiss people don't like, they don't like the fact that somebody else is wearing Ace Freely and Peter Chris's makeup, and it's been 20 years. Yep, that's another thing that you're right. You've, you've got, you've definitely got your pulse on Kiss fans. They do not like Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer dressed up as Ace and Peter. Okay, now that I've shit all over that Kiss cruise, let me say this. Every single person that I met on that Kiss cruise was super nice. Like, super nice, and I loved everybody that I met. I didn't meet everybody, but everybody that I met, I loved. The way I loved the contestants on the British Great British Baking Show. <laughs> like, they were just so nice. Well, what are some highlights of your of your week out there? Were, uh, were the shows good? Did you get to hang out with any of the other bands? Did you see any of the Kiss shows, etc.? I saw all three Kiss shows. The best one by far was the acoustic show. I loved it. Were there the Sail like Away a, show? They always do an acoustic show on Sail Away Day, right? Uh, it wasn't on the Sail Away. It was the next day. But oh, okay. they, uh, they did an acoustic show. It was wonderful. Uh, I, liked, I liked them just being dudes, not being kind of kiss you know and uh playing their songs and talking and what do you think about their songs do you feel like as a as a songwriter yourself that when you see that it acoustic without makeup they're just dudes i kind of feel like the songs hold up i feel like they wrote some really good songs i think they're amazing songwriters i think their best songs are as good as the best songs of any band ever yeah i think so too i agree um so it was cool and they played she on their acoustic set which is one of my favorite songs of theirs and i that's rare for the acoustic yeah i love she also she walks by moonlight, but I don't And they were doing deep cuts on their their uh you know big big uh you know costume shows as well. Um uh, I mean they were definitely catering to that diehard crowd. It wasn't the all hits. I mean it was all kind of all hits still, but it was deeper cut hits um than their regular show that I've seen them do like in arenas and stuff. It was cool. At the end of the day it was cool. I did not necessarily belong on that cruise it was all hard rock bands uh the best i did meet some guys everybody i met was really cool i met some dudes from germany there were dude the other thing about that cruise international dude there was people from all over the world there yeah like every second person i talked to had an accent those are really big events i mean what 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 was it their seventh or eighth kiss cruise the ninth and there's only going to be one there's only going to be one more because they just announced their very last kiss date which is in 611 days or something. Dude, so I'm looking at this set list. This is a great set list. Coming Home, Hard Luck Woman, Plaster Caster, Going Blind, See You Tonight, which is my favorite Gene Simmons song. I mean, they did Mainline, Hide Your Heart, and then so Bruce Kulick, I guess, got up. Hide Your Heart, She, Shandy, World Without Heroes. That's crazy. Yeah, it was it was great. And uh, Wow. And... Uh, and it, seeing Kulik up there was kind of weird. Like I was just like, "What's the dynamic there?" Because you know he wants that gig, but Tommy's got it and he's great at it. Well, Bruce was unwilling to put the the ace makeup on, and so it was you know kaput for him. Guess who loves Kulik? 
all those Kiss fans. They love that dude. Oh yeah, he's 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 well loved by Kiss nerds for sure. So he he played. Um, he has like his solo band and. Uh, and those were really like the shows that were really well attended were the Kiss shows and Kulik shows, and uh, there was quite a few people at, at uh, Warrant, and maybe half the people were at the Darkness, but every, every all the other bands were pretty poorly attended. Really, but I will say this, dude, <clears throat> I saw, uh, what is it? Uh, God damn, Tyler Bryant. And the, yeah, and the shakedown. And the shakedown. Oh my God, those dudes are incredible. I felt like I was watching like Led Zeppelin. They were that good, and they they don't sound like what's that band that sounds like Led Zeppelin? I hate that fucking band. Uh, yeah, the, shit. It's escaping me now. They're huge, but they just are they're just a rip off. Greta Van Fleet. Yeah. Fuck those guys. <laughs> Unless I meet them and then like you guys are great. Uh if they're <laughs> listening to this podcast, you guys are my favorite. Um no, but these dude, Tyler Bryant, oh my God. And here's when I watched them right before I played. And what's my rule? Don't ever watch a band before you play. Remember that time we were playing in Minneapolis at the Fine Line and we walked over to First Ave and because there was some like EDM chick playing and and we were and we got so bummed. Yeah, it was that yell chick, L E Y E L L E. And it was packed with young hot people and they were and it was like sold out. And we were just like watching that show, and then we went back to our show that was all old people and half sold out, and it, the club was about half the size. And we we're like, "Womp womp womp womp." No, our our show was sold out. I remember that it was oh. fucking packed in there, but it was a it was a bit of a smaller club. It was First Line. <laughs> it was it was a combination of First Avenue and Fine Line. It was called First Line that we played. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, what did I say? Fine Line, First Line, whatever. Yeah, our show. Our I will say this. Our show was a hundred percent out of a thousand percent. So you watch Tyler Bryan on the Kiss Cruise, then you got to go play your set solo without the band. Oh God! And well, how'd it go? It went great. I had a good time. I the the thing I was worried about was I thought I was gonna have to play in front of all these people, and they were gonna be like the hard, you know, like the Kiss crowd is legendary for like like being really rough on opening bands because they just want to see Kiss. And uh, the thing I realized, oh, if they don't want to see me, they're not going to hang out and watch me. Like, it's not like they have to get through my set to see Kiss. Kiss isn't playing after me on the stage that I'm playing on. So Jay kind of told me, he was like, hey, man, nobody's going to be here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. And then nobody was there. And then I was sad, but then I was also relieved. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I had a lot of feelings, dude. Talk about feelings house. And I forgot my passport. So I was afraid to get off the ship. So I was on the ship the whole time. I had cabin fever one day. The entire day, I thought I was going to have a panic attack because I think I drank too much of this, like, Kiss Cruise coffee, which is basically like one cup is like drinking 35 cups of coffee. You know what you were on? I just realized like, you were on the feelings boat. I was on the feelings. I was in the feelings navy instead of the feelings army. <laughs> you were the general of the feelings navy, dude. 
how about this? This is what this is the other takeaway that I had because I, you know, even when I do my like acoustic sets, I use the f word. I do a lot of cussing. I say some pretty crazy shit. And the thing I realized was like Kiss, as much as they are as hedonistic as any band that has ever existed, all of their stuff is G-rated. Now, they have a song like Plaster Caster. They have a song called Lick It Up. They have a song called Larger Than Life. Obviously, all of these allude to sex, cum, and dicks. But they don't actually <laughs> they don't actually say it. And I say it because I'm a man and I say mm-hmm. shit. I don't hide behind allegory. If I want to say the word dick, guess what I'm gonna use the word? I'm gonna say my love. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So what, did you have to censor yourself or what? What are you saying? Uh, after the first show, Carolyn, who's Doc McGee's day-to-day uh, manager, was like, yeah, you might want to tone it down a tad. So I toned it down a tad. But, dude, I was acting the fool. And that Tyler Bryant and his whole band was there the second show that I did, and I saw him in the crowd, and I was acting the fool. Fool. And then I went, and I hadn't seen him at that point. And then I went and saw him the next day, and I was just like, the whole time I was just, and they could see me because there weren't a lot of people watching them, even though they were amazing. So that he could see me the whole time. And I was like, this guy just thinks I'm a fucking joke because they're just bringing the white hot rock heat, dude. Like they're young, they're good looking, and they're bringing the heat. And I'm just like, I felt like the hunchback of fucking. <laughs> Notre Dame out there. But then Jay said he talked to those guys afterwards. And it turns out they're all fans of mine. And they think I'm some great songwriter. So well, why didn't you talk to them and become friends with them and hang out with them, dummy? Because that's not what I do. I don't know how to be a human. I do know how to feel like the hunchback of Notre Dame and hide out in my room for the entire cruise. Except to go to the... Cafe Garden Buffet. Yeah, the food sitch on cruises is rough. Dude, I gained In terms of, it's just so available. It's just free and everywhere. I went from XL to Trip XL, dude, on that on that cruise. I, I, good God. Dude, the boat was listing to my side of the, <laughs> when I got off the, Dude, it was there was so much shame eating going on in that boat. It was gross. Wow. Well, well, interesting. Well, so I guess that's kind of the that's the Kiss Cruise takeaway. We're on the feelings boat with the Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's cool that they were fans though. They're they're badass. I've 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 crossed paths with them. They're from Nashville. Cool dudes. Yeah, I met I I met some guys from. Uh... Salt Lake, Royal Bliss, they were amazing. They're kind of sort of mm-hmm. the opposite of what I do. They're like super like earnest and and uh like hard rock and like, yo, we're gonna let's do this. We're gonna rock the world together. You know, which is like the opposite of me where I'm like, you know, like going I know it seemed like I was being really earnest on that last song, but I was actually thinking about doing my laundry. <laughs> Yeah, we're more of the all of our dreams are gone uh, persuasion. Yeah, i i have to I have to say this. 
I felt when when all the when, here's the takeaway of all of it. I was so glad they asked me to be on the cruise. It's great to see Doc McGee. I hadn't seen him in a minute. I got to hang out with him for a bit. All the people that I used to work with, everybody I met was really cool. Like it's it's a cool cruise. Like if you're a huge Kiss fan and you want to be around other Kiss fans, you want to do something that you can't do any other way and you want to be around Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley and all those guys, cough up the two to four grand, whatever it costs, and go, because there's only going to be one more next year. Go check it out. It'll be, you'll, you'll enjoy it. And they're already super coveted. I mean, I know they sell out really quick. And Oh, yeah. Um, it's good. Did, did you hang with Gene and Paul at all? I didn't. They were kind of on a different part of the ship. And you know me, I'm not going to like hunt down doc and say hey man i want to go you know what i mean i just wouldn't ever even when i would see doc who i know well i wouldn't even go over and talk to doc doc i would just wait until doc would come over and talk to me if i had been on that boat with you i would have probably mustered up the courage to do some of that to get into some of those rooms and parties oh for sure i would have dragged your ass with me too for sure oh for sure but you're you're pretty good at that. You're good at going up and talking to anybody, really. I don't really like doing it, but I I have learned how to do it somehow in my crazy life. So speaking of things that I like, we used to remember on the podcast when we do the thing where we talked about things we like and don't like. Uh, back in the early two uh, thousands, yes. So I have a bunch of things that I like that I think you're gonna like that I like. All right. One is we started Fleabag, and goddamn, that is a good show. Goddamn, how genius is that lady? Now, we're only like five episodes in, so we still have room to, you know, we still have to go, so no spoilers or anything, but it's such a weird, fresh, surprising vibe in that show. She's breaking the fourth wall, the subject matter is really frank, and then sort of surprisingly emotional, hit you hit you in the gut out of nowhere. I'm just really sort of blown away by it. And I feel like it came out of nowhere. Where did that fucking show come from? I don't know, man. I didn't watch it the first season. And then only when they started hammering the second season did I even notice it. Because the first season, the first season, the poster or the, the ad for it was her with her makeup running crying. And I'm like, I'm not going to watch that. Some chick crying? No thanks. And then the second <laughs> season was her kind of looking like an angel up in heaven surrounded by space debris. And I was like, oh, what's this? And then a friend of mine recommended it, and then I watched it, and I was like, oh, I watched the entire season one and two like in one day. I will say there's a lot of sex in it, which is fine. Um, you know, no problemo. But it, <laughs> it's sex in a way that's so kind of real that it does not turn me on. You know what I'm saying? Well, that whole first scene... The way it opens up oh, yeah. is tough for a lot of people. Like, I, th- I may have even watched that first scene, the first year, and I was like, uh, I'm not watching this. But once you get past it, it's kind of like that first episode of Game of Thrones, and see what's going on. Then you're like, okay, I get it. Or the first episode of Black Mirror. Oh my God! Don't ever watch the. If you're thinking about watching Black Mirror, never watch the first episode of season one. Until you've watched all of them, and then you have no more to watch, and then you can watch it and go, ah, it's not my favorite. Now, the second thing I started watching, and I think you're really going to get a kick out of this because I fucking love it, is The Boys. Love The Boys. Oh, my God. I feel like you've been trying to get me to watch it because, for those of you who don't know, it's on Amazon Prime, and it's a it's about superheroes, which I'm not into. 
But oh my god, it's such a weird take on superheroes where they're kind of evil. They're they're owned by a corporation. They're sort they're, they use their powers to save the world, but there's this horrible dark underbelly of it that's involved with making money and fame and their celebrities and they're all dis, you know evil people. They kill people. Man, it's so good. I loved it. Now, do you, have you seen Brightburn? I've not seen Brightburn yet, but this has gotten me excited to see Brightburn. Well, what's crazy about Brightburn is how similar the two things are. Like you, I don't want to talk about it until you see Brightburn, but uh, after you've seen it, let's talk about it. All right. Now, the third thing that I've that I uh, uh, have really been enjoying really caught me off guard. I watched this documentary on Netflix called Echo in the Canyon. Have you seen this? Uh, about. Um, it just has. I think I have. With it's got. Um, what's his butt on the front? It, well, it's about the sixty-five to seventy Laurel Canyon band. So it's like Buffalo Springfield, Mamas and Papas, Beach Boys, The Birds. Right, right, yeah. Uh, and it's Jacob Dylan curated it, and he re-recorded a lot of these songs. So it's half concert film, half documentary, and narrated by like Tom Petty's all in it, Brian Wilson, Stephen Stills, Graham Nash, all that stuff. And I like all that music. I love the 60s and 70s. I put all that music kind of in a certain place. Um, I, I thought that's when songwriting got really interesting. A lot of weird poetry and songs came from that. But man, I'm watching that documentary at the gym and crying in the gym. This, these songs are so beautiful. I, got, I bought the uh, vinyl soundtrack. I've been listening to it nonstop. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's called Echo in the Canyon. What's your favorite song? There's the song Never My Love that really poked out to me. And it's just, it's, he sings it with Nora Jones and, uh, it's just, it's so simple. It's just him saying, are you ever going to grow tired of me? It's kind of just about love getting old, you know, and about how I'm never going to fall out of love with you. There's another great song called in my room that he does with Fiona Apple. That's the other thing too. They're all a bunch of deep cuts. It's not like California dreaming or good vibrations. It's the song he does from pet sounds is called, I just wasn't made for these times. And it's just about how suicidally sad Brian Wilson was in 1967. And uh, I don't know, man. It's just really blown me away. Those songs are so crazy good. I mean, do you have an affinity for the songs from that era? Uh, I have an affinity for good songs. So I don't have an affinity for any genre or era because there's, if you peel back, if you peel back whatever you got to peel back to look at something, uh, you're going to find that most of it's pure shit. So uh, most of the songs from that era in that time were pure shit. But there's some wonderful songs from every era and every genre. Hmm. <laughs> Deep thoughts with Bob Schneider. <laughs> but there are, dude, even like, I would say you could find the most fucked up genre and you're going to find some one or two good songs, even like scream metal. Scream metal? I don't know. What's the one where they're like, <laughs> like black metal, death metal, whatever that is. You're going to find one or two good songs there. And then I would like to one. watch you listening to the most far out doom metal. Doom metal is really slow, very slow tempos and in unintelligible singing. Here's what I know about me. I would have loved that music when I was 18. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to love that music. There's music for different times in your life. When you're full of hormones and fear and anger and you have all of your vitality, 
you want to listen to some of that. But when you're old and your vitality is seeped away and your dreams are crushed and all you've got left is just the slow ride into death and decay, you're going to want to listen to some fucking Echo in the Canyon, bitch. <laughs> you're going to want to dream your days away listening to some Yacht Rock. Yeah, All it's right. true, man. It's true. You do mellow yeah. out on on the on the doom and gloom shit. For sure. Oh my god, my wife read a book called The Glass Castle that she loved. I read that. And then she was and then she's like, "Hey, there's a movie about it on on uh, Hulu. They made a movie. Let's watch right. it." Yeah. And I said, "Well, is it su- cuz my wife likes really sad shit." I was like, "Is it is it sad? Is it fucked up?" She's like, oh, "It's kind of up and down." We watched the movie. It was 90 It was 90 minutes of complete torture. <laughs> I heard the movie's not good. It, well, it's just one of the most depressing things I've ever seen. It's filled with child abuse, which I hate. Uh, negligence. There's a, almost a rape scene. Um, the, it's a shitty drunk dad, which I had. It's about a dad who falls short, which I have just existential fear of with my daughter. I was anxious and unhappy the entire film. And and Isabel said the book is worse, like in terms of like more shit goes down in the book. Wait, I I watched like maybe the first twenty minutes of the film, and then I can I stopped watching it. The book's way way better because in the book, it's just a kid telling this story, and when you're a kid, whatever's going on when you're a kid is just the way it is. You're not like judging it. Like when you go see a shitty movie when you're like five, you're like. How was that movie? You're like, oh, it was great. It was a movie. And so when you've got handguns that you're playing with when you're seven, then that's just what you do. You have loaded handguns that you're playing with with your friends. And if you're almost kill, you know, when you're like four years old and and your parents aren't around and you're, you know, making stuff on a stove and you catch fire, that's just the way it works when you're a kid. You know what I mean? So the tone of the book is just like this sort of like, this is what happened to you. You're like going, oh my God, the whole time. Because it's fucked up. Yeah, it just made me feel bad. And like, I don't go to, I don't need art to make me feel good all the time. And I'm willing to ingest a story that makes me think about the world, blah, blah, blah. This movie just made me feel bad. That's all it did was make me feel bad for 90 minutes. I didn't learn anything. There's no redemption. Uh, it was just a fucking bummer. That's all. Yeah. Look like that movie Bully. Did you ever see that movie Bully? No. Oh, man. Or Requiem for a Dream. That's another movie. That's a one-time viewing. I've seen Requiem for a Dream a couple times. The only reason to even watch that movie is the performance by... Who's the chick in it? The Jennifer Connelly. No, no, the old lady that's on speed. Oh, my God. She's amazing. That's she, won the, she won the Oscar. She was amazing in that movie. But that movie's she- hard to watch. I, I will never even read the book. I mean, the book's, uh, you know, its own slice of horror also. Dude, if you want a movie that's fucked up, Last Exit to Brooklyn. Have you ever seen that movie? No. Oh, my God, dude. That's that's like the original Requiem for a Dream. But the thing is, to your point, when you're young, they're like, dude, what's the most... I remember when I was young, I was like, I want to watch the most fucked up movie on the planet. I couldn't, I couldn't, get, I couldn't find that movie. Uh, these days uh, I'm like. By the uh, way, you. By the way, you found it, and you made me watch it. Nah, martyrs, isn't it? Uh, 
as far as I'm concerned, Martyrs is it. Now you may have seen you may have seen more fucked up movies like Human Centipede One, Two, and Five, but I haven't seen those movies. So my bar has been set with the movie called Oh, is this gonna fuck me up? Oh no, this movie is not gonna fuck you up, Bobby. Oh yeah, dude. I don't know, man. You know you you're aware of a film called a Serbian film. Also, there's Salo, which is the Pasolini film based on Marquis de Sade's 120 Days of Sodom, which I'd have read. <laughs> And I've seen that film, too. That film is really tough, man. Have you seen that? Have you seen Salo? No. And I haven't seen Serbian film, but I did read the description of the movie, and just the description of the movie fucked me up forever. Here's the description of Salo. In World War II Italy, four fascist libertines round up nine adolescent boys and girls and subject them to 120 days of physical, mental, and sexual torture. <laughs> That's some fucking Italian bullshit right there. It's two hours long. Well, it's Marquis de Sade. It's a, you know. I did read I did read the Marquis de Sade's Justine. Have you ever read yeah. that book? Yeah, oh I read Justine God. at your house. Dude, that book is fucked up. And that's all, and I, he has other books. No need to read any others. I did. I, 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 I kind of read Justine and kind of liked it, and then I got his big epic 120 Days of Sodom, which is just unbelievably insane and, and weird. But again, I read it when I was younger and when I didn't have any kids. I would yeah, never I, fucking read that these days. I can't imagine reading it now that I have kids. I did read it before I had kids, but I will say this. Reading Justine was like, well, that's fucked up. It can't get any more fucked up than that. And then it got more fucked up. And then you're like, well, that's it. And then it got more fucked up. And then it kept getting more and more fucked up throughout the whole book where you're like, it it can't get any more fucked up. Oh, it does. For those of you who are unsure what we're talking about, Marquis de Sade was a libertine writer. I think he was in prison for some of this shit. There's a really great movie about him called Quills with, I believe it was Jeffrey Rush who played him. Jeffrey Rush and uh, Black Widow was like his assistant or something. Black Widow? What's her fucking name? Plays Black Widow in the Avengers movies. Oh, I wouldn't know that. I'm looking up Quills right now. It's from 2000. Let's see here. Oh, Kate Winslet. Oh. It's not. That's not who I was no. thinking of. I was thinking of. I was thinking of the chick who pl- was uh, the girl in the pearl necklace, who plays. It's a good Black cast: Black. Joaquin Phoenix, Michael Caine. That movie's rough, man. Quills is rough. I will say. It, hey, we're out of time, dude. Oh shit! Well, looks like we are out of time. Well, if you like the show, go leave us a positive review. You can always write into us, Bob and Clint at gmail.com. Go check out our other podcast. Mine's a Metallica podcast called Metal Up Your Podcast. Bob's is called The Song Club. And uh, with that, I guess we'll just bid you all adieu. Adieu!